I can usually say it before most men can. What do you struggle with most? Patience. Usually what happens is it's not that you don't have patience. It's that you're not prepping your mind, your emotions, your mentality and everything. You're not feeding yourself. You're not filling your cup. And you're trying to pour into others with an empty cup. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am so excited about today's guest. Larry Hagner is the founder of the Good Dad Project and host of the Dad Edge Podcast. The Dad Edge Podcast is the number one dad podcast on iTunes. It is downloaded in 177 countries with millions of downloads. Larry is the father of four boys, and he's been married for 14 years to his incredible wife, Jessica. Larry breaks down strategies for men to be the best version of themselves and help men navigate life through helping men build a band of brothers. He also helps men with mental toughness, emotional resilience, financial stress, relationships, and work-life integration. His book, The Dad's Edge, is the number one Amazon bestseller. He's also the host of the Dad Edge Alliance Mastermind Community with hundreds of members. Larry, welcome to the show. It is awesome to have you here today. Oh man, it's so good to be on here. Thank you for thank you for for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. There's so many things that we can talk about and we're going to get to a lot of things that I know you're passionate about, but I really like when I have people on the show to take a deep dive and really find out how they started doing the things that they're doing. So, take us through your journey to where now you're one of the top influencers in this space. You know, whenever you say that, it's like, wow. Like you know, it's 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 very surreal. Just because you know, I, the, my childhood was was really really crazy, as far as. But I mean, everybody. I don't I don't share that out of pity or anything like that. I mean, I think everybody's childhood has had some sort of something happen to it, right? Mine was a little interesting. I was born in 1975. My parents were married for like four years before they had me, and then nine months after I was born, my dad left and. My mom and dad's parted ways. And then uh, I, I went through my first four years of my childhood not having a father. It didn't bother me at all. I didn't feel like I was missing out on a thing because I, I didn't know any better. Uh, but I remember you know, kids picking... I, I remember dads picking up their kids from preschool. And I remember like you know these guys coming in picking up their kids. And I was always like, man, I wonder what that... that, that that's what a dad is. That's... I, I understood what a dad was, and I just knew that I didn't have one. But that was okay because, it, again, it didn't really bother me because, in my four-year-old mind, I my assumption was is that the moms go out and find a dad. So I just figured, well, my mom just hadn't found ours yet. No big deal. So she will eventually. So uh, fast forward to you know about a year later, my mom brings home a guy for the first time. I think they were dating for a while, and uh, she brought him home. 
to uh, to have dinner with us. And I'll never forget this. I mean, it was I was five years old. He walked in in the house. He had three piece suit on. The double Windsor, you know, not double Windsor, not. He was a white collar uh, data software uh, designer, and he had a briefcase and a trench coat and the mustache and the whole nine yards. And like literally, like my very first thought when he walked in the door was like, "Oh my gosh, my mom did it! Like she found him. She found us a dad. This is so cool." So the first question I asked this poor guy is like, are you going to be my dad? Wow. (laughs) Literally, first words out of my mouth to this guy. And I remember just the whole room going quiet. And I remember being kind of awkward and all that. But lo and behold, a year later, they did get married. And they stayed together until I was 10. So a handful of years. He was a really nice guy. uh, Taught me a lot about manners. Uh, He was ex-military. So he was big on manners and really big on please and, and thank you and yes, sir, no, sir, all that. Uh, but he did drink a lot, and when he drank, unfortunately, he got pretty mean. And uh, you know, he was he was pretty abusive from time to time. And and then when I was ten, they got divorced and they parted ways. And I I hadn't seen him. I ran into him by accident once when I was about twenty one. I was I was going to a bar with a girl that I was dating in college. We were home for the summer, and I went into this bar here in St. Louis, and he was the doorman, which was really really surreal. Because you know he was he was a high highly paid white collar you know data software guy and then he was working a door as like a doorman at a bar so like he had it just seemed like he had kind of pretty much given up on life unfortunately <clears throat> yeah it was pretty crazy um, but anyway uh, so back to where I was ten you know I really wanted a father in my life and at that time he was gone and. When I was 12, I ran into my biological father. And I won't really go into detail how. It's not really important. But we did spend some time together. And that was very surreal. I, I had never known my biological father. And I finally got a chance when I was 12 to meet him. And he was remarried. He had a two-year-old son and another one on the way. And we were we kind of hung out, I think, for I don't know, a handful of months. And then I just remember the relationship getting strained. And it was tense. And it was distant. And uh, we had a conversation and it went something like, Hey, you know, this is not the right time for me in my life right now. You know, I've, I've, and we parted ways and that really sucked. Like really, really sucked as, as a kid. And at the time, like I didn't even really know how to deal with that. I just remember, you know, I was an overweight kid. I just remember eating more and more and I gave up on school. And I didn't give up, like left school, but I failed eighth grade. I had to do eighth grade twice. I got F's in every single subject, like even spelling. I just gave up. I didn't care anymore. So I did eighth grade again, and that was a turning point for me. I had to switch schools, and I went to high school. You know, it was still just sort of a troubled youth. You know, I really didn't get into trouble, but just didn't have any direction. Uh, my mom drank a lot, unfortunately, still does. And that was just really tough for me. I was just very, very lost. I, I put my fast forward a few years later, I put myself through college. I lost a bunch of weight, kind of turned things around when I was a junior in high school. And I graduated high school, put myself through college, graduated with a degree in health management with a minor in nutrition. And then I got married and then been with Jessica ever since, my wife. Here's the crazy thing though when I was 30, so 14 years ago, I was sitting in a Starbucks. Here in St. Louis, uh, with a coworker of mine, and at the time I was in pharmaceutical sales, had just gra- had been out of school for about seven years, give or take, 
And I'm sitting there in Starbucks and who walks in but my biological father. Like my my father, father, the one that I had, you know, didn't know and then ran into when I was 12. We spent some time together. He he walked in. And again, I won't go into detail of how we reconnected, but we did. And here we are 14 years later. And my father and I have a relationship. And it's not a father-son relationship. It's um it's more of a friendship. Uh, I have two half brothers, and we get along great. Uh, he's still married to the same woman. He's been married to her for forty years. They, she's wonderful. It's kind of crazy. My 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 dad and I, we've had one conversation about the past, and then we just sort of decided to put it behind us. And my my dad's going to be uh, seventy one years old this month. So, you know, we we're just we're determined to enjoy the time that we have with each other. And as far as the the Good Dad Project, the Dad Edge, and everything I'm doing now. I have four boys and I remember the first time I had a son and I was like, I didn't want to screw it up. And the first six years of uh, my two older sons' lives, uh, I, I can tell you I was screwing up. I was not showing up. I was that typical man that, that I now serve. And that is, you know, I was living isolated, you know, emotionally, mentally. I didn't have good men in my life to help me along the way. Um, I, I, I was very low on patience. Uh, I wasn't taking care of my health. Uh, my, my marriage was kind of crumbling because I didn't know how to be a husband. You know, I just didn't know how to do it. I desperately wanted to do it uh, well, but I just didn't have the tools. The one thing I can tell you is I knew what not to do. But one thing I've learned is... So I, I knew like I, all these things that I saw growing up. I mean, my, mom, my mom was married three times. You know, every guy in my life was a toxic male figure. And I knew what not to do, but I, I got to tell you, that's not enough to navigate life. Life is knowing what not to do, because if you know what not to do, but you still don't know what to do, you're sort of you're just in limbo. And that's where I was. I was just in limbo. And I, the, the dad edge and everything that we're doing now really came out of a very, very, very dark place. And I'm proud to say that in that dark place, that's where the discovery of doing what we're doing today, which is you know serving imperfect men. You know, serving imperfect fathers to be the best version of themselves, so they can enjoy being a father, being a husband, being a leader, provider, businessman, whatever you want to call it. And but yeah, that's that's been my story. That's been the journey. There's so much to unpack there, Larry. One of the things that you mentioned, and, and I want to jump back to your junior year of high school. You mentioned that you were just kind of going through the motions. You had failed the eighth grade and repeated the eighth grade. Was there a person that came into your life your junior year? Was there an incident? What was it that flipped that switch for you? Because after that, you were able to graduate, go to college and and write things in a lot of ways. That's a really good question. Um, I, I don't talk about this much. Uh, and not because I'm, I'm ashamed of it or I, I just I guess I just don't talk about it much. When I was 15, I think that was probably one of the darkest years I've ever had. I was probably... 14, 15 years old, you know, I had, I was in high school, but I was still really overweight, zero confidence. Just, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I was just still kind of a mess. I mean, I, I, I still struggled in school. That aha moment came out of a really dark place. And that was my mom met this man when I was 14. And I'll never forget this guy. Uh, she was, she started dating him. Uh, he had a son who was my age. And I remember the guy's business. He his business went bankrupt, and he he and his son moved in with us. 
And this guy was probably out of all the men my mom had ever dated or married, this guy was the worst nightmare I've ever seen as far as alcohol and toxicity and abuse. And he was just... And his son was absolutely insane. It was the longest two years of my life. There was one good thing that came out of that. I'll never forget this one time. I was a sophomore in high school. And it was the beginning of the year and I went to this dance with some friends of mine. Just a bunch of guys. And, then, and of course, you know, it was, it was like a mixer. So there was a bunch of girls there. And I, I remember seeing this girl uh, all night long. And I was just dying to ask her to dance with me. And if you could picture this again, like I was an overweight kid, super chubby and no confidence. I finally, at the end of the night, they played a slow song and I went up to her. And I asked her to dance. And she did this thing where she kind of stepped back. She looked at me. And she looked me up and down, up and down, and just had this look of disgust mm. in her face. And she said, not a chance. And I still remember that. I mean, that was 30 years ago. I still remember that. And I came home and I was devastated. And the next morning, uh, this guy that was living with us, you know, my mom, he lived with us for two years. He looked at me and he goes, so are you sick and tired of being a fat ass yet? He's like, because I can help you change that. There was one good thing about him was he he was a uh, he was a former bodybuilder, so he knew a lot about fitness and nutrition and everything. So he would wake me up every morning at four thirty and make me work out, and he taught me how to eat right. And then fast forward a couple years later, I dropped about sixty pounds, was eating right, confident. Uh, I, I just got addicted to fitness. And I mean, they they parted ways a couple of years into the relationship, but fitness is something that has stayed with me for the past thirty years, and that was a turning point for me. Was was that that click? Hey guys, Doctor Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. It's amazing that out of that moment where you know you described the guy as a nightmare, you were able to pull that out and that really transformed your life. I want to jump forward now because you've used the words dark place a couple of times, one describing that period. And you said that everything you're doing with Dad Edge came out of this second dark place. Talk to us about that experience and, and how Dad Edge came from that. So I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, like... It's no secret that that men struggle with being a father, you know. They struggle with being a husband. They struggle with money, you know, a lot of us. But if you really we just did uh, our second annual event is called the Dad Edge Summit. And the one thing that we help men do at the summit and in in our mastermind and all that is we help men optimize what we call the five dimensions of being a husband, father, leader. So one is finances, one is health, one is marriage, one is kids, and one is business. And if you look at those five things, right? 
those are the, those are five things that we get the least education on. You know, you you're you're a doctor, right? So you have years of education behind you on what it is that you do. I used to work with surgeons, you know, and surgeons have eight years of education before they you know cut anybody open. But when it comes to personal finance, when it comes to marriage. When it comes to parenting, like how much education do we actually get, right? And that is so frustrating. I mean, no wonder men are walking around and women too, wives too, so frustrated because it's like, ugh, like my kids are doing this, and I, you know, mentally I'm struggling with it. Like, how do I navigate? Like, and it's so frustrating. And that's where I was in that dark place of I was struggling in my marriage. I was struggling with my kids, and yeah, the the dark place was this. Uh, I'll never forget this. My son, my oldest was six. My, my younger one at the time was four. We had not had our third and fourth yet. And we were packing up our house, getting ready to move. And I was that, again, that typical guy that you know, I threw a lot of my attention and time into work. I was really great at my career. Got a lot of kudos there, a lot of attaboys, like a lot of, you know, that's where all my training was. I, I did a good job there. And I wasn't doing well in my marriage, I wasn't doing well with my kids. And um, I was very frustrated. I had so little patience for when my kids acted out. If you know, being a four-year-old, like I just had no patience, and because I wasn't feeding my mind and my soul with the right things. But what happened was, we were packing up our house, getting ready to move. I packed up my kids' playroom, and it took me like three and a half hours. And I was just in this super upset, sort of pissed off, no no patience mindset where I just despised packing up everything. Everything was a mess. I didn't want to move and all this other stuff. And my four-year-old comes downstairs and I told I, I went to go take a break. And my and I told my four-year-old, I was like, look, I dad just got done packing all this stuff. Do not take anything out of these boxes. Okay. And like three hours of work. I took like a half hour break. I come back downstairs and what happened? He had torn into all the boxes and toys were everywhere, right? So I was just enraged and I spanked him. And I spanked him so hard that he hit the ground. And I looked at him and my wife, who's super low drama, low maintenance, like nothing really ruffles her feathers. And she looked at me and she's like, wow, really? Like, really? And for my wife to say that, I mean, I know it sounds minor, but for her to say that, I knew... I knew that was I, I I had not done right, and I got really emotional. I went in my office and I did what we all do. I escaped, right? I went in my office and went on social media. I had tears in my eyes, and I'm like, and I just remember seeing this this thing in the in the left hand side of the page that said create a, create a page, and I was just like, I don't know what what happened, but just the words good dad project just rolled off like rolled off my mind and onto the keyboard. And I started this group and I said to myself, you know, I'm done. I'm done living this way. I'm done living in the dark. As much as I hunger for training in my job and to be a good, you know, a, a good professional in my industry, I'm going to take that same energy and put it into being a father and a husband. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to open myself up to learn every single day and see what happens. And I think that's what really happened in that dark place is I sidestepped my ego. And I became a student. And I just went out every single day on the internet and I just learned something new as it pertained to being a better husband, a better father, more patience, more, more uh, emotional resiliency. It just, just to feed my mind with something better, 
that I could use, a tool. I, w- I just became so hungry. And then 2013, I started the blog, gooddadproject.com. 2015, uh, the podcast launched. And then I wrote my first book. And the podcast has been and always will be still to this day. I mean, the podcast is now four years old. Uh, it, it's it's such a I, I hunger for it every single week because I get to learn. Like I, I just constantly get to learn. Like I tell I say this all the time. Like I am no expert when it comes to this stuff. But what I am is a student. And the cool thing about the podcast is the audience just gets to learn. We all get to learn together, you know, because I'm learning these things for the first time too as I as I interview podcast guests. I love that. And what you're saying is, I'm sure, resonating as strongly with the audience as it is with me, everything that you're talking about. So for those listening to this, including the moms who can bring some of these good tips home for dads, and if, if someone's listening to this, you talked about these five dimensions that we're really not taught. Give us some actionable strategies on a couple of these that people can start implementing today to improve their lives. Oh, wow. That's such a good question. Yeah, we definitely have strategies for all of them. So for instance, finance is one, right? Finance is a big one because no one is taught personal finance. And the statistics are just absolutely crazy. I mean, I think the average 50-year-old nowadays has $50,000 saved in retirement. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, I think it's 68% of millennials don't have anything saved and aren't currently saving a dime. Most of us have more debt than we can possibly imagine. But if you want to become you know, better with personal finance, you have to learn personal finance. One of the resources that we use quite a bit, I use it personally, and, and so does a lot of the audience members, is a software called YNAB, which is a, it's a budgeting software. And it basically what it does is it, 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 gives you, it, it teaches you how to give every dollar a job. So instead of your money managing you, you tell your money what to do. That's what the software does. So it's pretty cool. That's one tool. Um, YNAB has been so gracious to give um, our audience um, two months free uh, to check it out. And it's ynab.com forward slash dads. The other thing too is marriage, right? Marriage is something that's so hard for us to navigate. So the divorce rate is 50%, right? Uh, here's something that might shock you though. Only one third of marriages that stay together actually deem actually consider themselves thriving and happy. So only thirty percent of marriages that stay together. Another one third of marriages are happy enough not to get divorced. In other words, they're like, eh, it's okay. I guess we'll stay together, but it's not like we're it's awesome. And then the other thirty percent that stay together, they're miserable and they just stay together for the kids. Or, or some other thing, right? Maybe it's a financial thing. There are four elements to a legendary marriage. And a great resource for that is uh, Miracle Morning for Couples, written by Lance and Brandy Salazar. Four elements of a legendary marriage is self-care, uh, partnership, which partnership is more like the business side of marriage, like the schedules and the finances and all that, friendship, and lovers. And there are ways to optimize all four of those. And that, that's key. Uh, to learn that. The other thing too is the connection with your kids. I can usually say it before most men can. What do you struggle with most? Patience. Usually what happens is it's not that you don't have patience. It's that you're not prepping your mind, your emotions, your mentality and everything. You're not feeding yourself. You're not filling your cup. And you're trying to pour into others with an empty cup. 
So one way to to get patience is through self-care. You know, make sure that you're taking care of your health, make sure you're taking care of your mental health, your emotional health. You know, pour into yourself first. Men are men are fantastic at and they believe it's so noble to I I don't have time or 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 resources or anything to to take care of myself. I have to take care of these other people. Well, guess what? No one wants the 10, 20, 30 40% of you. They want the 100% of you, right? In order to do that, you have to take care of you so you can selflessly serve better and more effectively and more efficiently. And you can do that through listening to podcasts. You can do that by feeding your mind, by reading books. You can do that by joining a mastermind. You can do that by seeing a counselor. You can do that so many different ways, but you have to constantly feed your mental and emotional state, even your physical state, because that is going to allow you to show up better. Another one, like I said, the health... I've already talked about the health aspect because it kind of goes in line with the parenting. But the other thing too is business. 82% of Americans absolutely despise what they do for a living. And are comp- and are checked out of their corporate gig. The the one thing that you know most men, the the thing that sucks the life out of a lot of us is what we do for a living. A lot of us are commuting one or two hours a day to a job that we hate, but we feel that we're trapped in it because we have to provide for others. The question that I I, I pose to men who are looking there, and, and most men go about trying to find something they love to do the wrong way. They chase something because they're running away from the job that they hate. Like I, I gotta, I gotta, I have to build this real estate empire because I can't stand this corporate job. And what we always, what we always challenge men with is, like, look, you don't want to go out and build a business that you hate. You know, so you first have to discover, and we say this all the time: is what is the work that makes you come alive. What is the work that if you weren't paid to do it, what makes you come alive? And then can you do more of that work? You know, this is this is the one thing that that was a question that was posed to me back in 2016 before we started our mastermind. Like, hey, what is the work if you could because I had no direction with with that edge? And one of my mentors said, if you could do work that made you come alive, what would that be? And I said, I would help other men. Okay, well, how would you do that? And then it, the how came became with what we're doing today, but it's really understanding like don't run away from your nine to five. Don't let that be your motivation. Allow yourself to understand like, hey, what is my vision? What is the work that makes me come alive? And then go chase that instead of running away from something else. So those are the resources that I challenge men with. I love that, and I know you said you're not an expert, but the research supports everything that you've said. And it's it's interesting too because what you said about people chasing the wrong thing is exactly right. And you hear people, we know we know that entrepreneurship is lower than it's ever been in this country, which is problematic in terms of new startups. And, and yet we know that happiness has never been lower. So there is that disconnect. And and I think it's it's finding what really makes you tick. I'm going to add a resource for you uh, for people listening to this. One of my favorite books that I've ever read. Is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks and really does a great job of helping you figure out what is that thing that makes your heart sing, that makes 
time fly by rapidly. So um, great, great strategies there for sure. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, before we move into closing, I wanted to give you a minute to talk about your book. And, and I imagine that it touches on a lot of the tenants you're doing in the Data Edge Alliance. But, but take us through some of those other special things in that book. And, and what first, before we even get there, what was the impetus for writing it? Because you already have these other things. Yeah, so the, the book was... I think I just wanted something that would help me solidify like, hey, what can we actually do as fathers? And how can we keep it simple? I mean, the book is called The Data Edge, Nine Simple Ways uh, to Improve Relationships, to Improve Your Patients, and Create Lasting Memories. And it really just came out of like, hey, what is like the simplest thing that I can do? Because I think as men, we overcomplicate things. We We make them so complex. And sometimes all we need to do is just make things really, really simple. So in the book, I just wanted... I, I wanted, I think... I, I wrote that book. A lot of the books that I've read, it's, I always felt like the author is like preaching from a pulpit, right? And I wanted to write a book as if I was having a conversation with my best friend. Like, <laughs> let me share with you all the things that I've done wrong. And here are a couple things that I've learned you know, that, might, that might help you and that certainly have helped me. That, so that's how I wrote the book. A uh, couple of things you can do is like... So for instance, most people don't feed their marriage. There's a whole chapter in there about how to connect better with your wife you know, through uh, a, a, a daily discipline of, of good conversation, you know, of, of coming to every conversation and interaction curious without expectations. So that's key. You know, date nights are a big deal. Sometimes I ask guys like, "When was the last time you took your, you know, guys who are struggling with their marriage? Like, when was the last time you took your wife out on a date?" Oh, I don't know. It's been like six months. Take her out on a date. Like, if you want the simplest thing to to help, you know, bring your marriage back, take her out on a weekly date for two months. I know it sounds like a lot, but take her out on a date weekly for two months. See what happens. The other thing too is uh, experiences over stuff with your kids. Uh, parents are they're 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 great at at giving their kids material things, right? That's not what definitely that that is not how a kid feels love. You know, they they they're excited for a minute, but then that's not how they feel love. You know, kids spell love, T I M E. So one thing that I do with each of my boys is I try to spend purposeful, intentional time with each one of them, and I do that through experiences. So I try to take my kids out on a one-on-one trip every single year if I can. It's hard, but I do it. I also take them out on dates. So like one-on-one dates, uh, that's super important. I'd much rather you know, take my kids to go indoor rock climbing than to go buy them something, you know, whatever it is, a toy or whatever. I, I'd rather us have an experience. Uh, the other thing too is surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, men live a quiet life of desperation and they're isolated. Most of us are great with acquaintances, but we don't have those men that are in our lives. And I'm not talking about just in our lives. I mean, in our lives, like where you're not talking about the same five surface level things that we always talk about the weather, work, what'd you do on the weekend, how are your kids? And then that's really it. You know, you need men in your life like, hey, man, like, how are things with you and Jessica? You guys good? You guys talking, you guys communicating, you know, you spending time together, you listening to her, you know, things like that where men challenge you, whether in your lives or if they see something like, I mean, I've got friends in my life who, 
you know, if they see my kids act a certain way, they're like, hey, man, did you notice, you know, that? And it could be good or bad, right? Be like, hey, are you, are you aware that your kid is doing such and such? Things like that, that like, no, I wasn't like, and, and to challenge me and to make sure that I have my eyes out. And so having those men in your life, so taking care of your, yourself, you'll find that in the book. Having those connections with kids through experiences, constantly dating your wife, being appreciative and curious about her, and having the right circle of influence and men in your life that are going to challenge you to help you. Awesome. Great stuff. We're, we're at time and I know we could talk probably for another two hours about good strategies and tips that people could use to become better dads. But we're at the part of the show where I ask my guests that single question. So I'm going to ask it of you here today, Larry. What is your biggest helping, the single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? I would say the biggest helping and the thing that feels the best is when you simply let go of your ego. You don't have to know it all. And you don't have to figure this all out on your own As it, when it comes to fatherhood, when it comes to your kids, when it comes to being married. Being constantly curious, as much time, effort, and training that you put into your job and productivity and all that, you can... You can Take that same approach to being a husband, to being a father, all those things. So that's, that's what I would tell you is to be constantly curious, be a student. I love that. Larry, where can people find out more about you and everything you're doing? Uh, you can find everything that we do. We, you can find us at uh, gooddadproject.com. Uh, that's where you'll find the podcast. I think our most popular landing page is gooddadproject.com forward slash podcast. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm really active over there at The Dad Edge. I'm on Facebook, of course. And then all the information about our Dad Edge Alliance, that's our mastermind community. You can find that at gooddadproject.com forward slash alliance. But that's pretty much... You can find me on Twitter. I'm not so active over there. But Instagram, I'm pretty active. Perfect. And we'll have links to everything Larry Hagner and Dad Edge at the show notes at thedailyhelping.com for this episode, as well as in the Daily Helping app available in the Google Play Store and iTunes. Larry, this has been awesome, sagely, as expected. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you. And thanks to each and every one of you as well who chose to tune into this episode. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because this is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.